0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sorry, You're in My Seat, a weekly podcast that unites two best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. My name is Aaron, and each week I have the pleasure of talking movies and films with my best buddy James. Hello there. This week, no exception. This is the one you've all been waiting for. <laughs> it's uh, the 1992 classic, The Bodyguard, starring uh, Kevin Costner and Whitney Houston. A friend of mine, James, he asked me yesterday, "Oh, what are you doing this week in the podcast?" I went, "The Bodyguard." He went, "Why?" And I went. Pfft. I don't know. I think it started last week. We we finished recording, and we were trying to discuss what next to because obviously this is a this is a time for us, which is a bit complicated. We did we did mention it that moving new jobs, different city for me, so we can only get up certain times to meet up and record. And we were like, what what do we know? What do we know? It's like Kevin Costner. And then we started talking about it. it's like. He's got a lot of films out there but I can't tell you why Kevin Costner is considered an actor. Let alone a good actor. So I just think just bodyguard. I just and there's no reason. Yeah, the idea of doing a trilogy of Kevin Costner episodes over the next kind of 50 episodes or whatever and one of them being Waterworld, one of them being uh, the the uh, Dancing with Wolves or maybe the post <laughs> the post <laughs> And then of course the bodyguard is the other one. And Kevin Costner's that guy though, like I suppose Robin Hood Prince of Thieves everyone That's knows a him from. Cracker. That is a good one. But then again, is it because of Kevin Gosner or is it because of. um, Yep. Morgan Freeman? Well, Morgan Freeman. Was it Alan Rickman? Alan Rickman was what I was going for. Is it over Christian the top? Slayer. Like a... No. <laughs> Never Christian Slater. <laughs> Kevin Costner's a weird one because I like Kevin Costner. I like a lot of the movies that he's in. I like him as a, as a, as a guy, you know, mm. he pulls off a pair of jeans, mate. In the nineties, <laughs> he pulled off a pair of jeans, like stonewashed jeans, like no one else. He, he did a good job as an alien father and Man of Steel, you know, he, that kind of he liked... wasn't the alien father. He was the human father. Oh, sorry. Father. he It's a human father. That that kind of, he was the different. The alien father was the other Robin Hood. <laughs> yes. Yes. Russell Crowe. Thank you. <laughs> Kerry Eales. <laughs> uh, uh, so I don't know how we got into is it. Is he just Hollywood? Is he just reliable? Because Do you think he's a pair of jeans? Is like, oh, you know, put him on, he's fine. I was weirdly, I was really like Tink Cup because of him because I he, like he plays Tim different. Cook. He's a different character. If, if you think about this film, mm. no, we'll get into it. when We talk about, but but I wouldn't say he's got great range. But at the same time, I'm like you. It's like when I when see came across, so we're like, that's not bad. But then in hindsight, having watched the bodyguard, maybe. Is it just, like you say, that reliability? Mm. Uh, what was it? Fields of Dreams? Fields of Dreams was good. Oh, and obviously, co-starred alongside Ray Lewis. Really? Passed oh, away this week. Passed away, bless him. What was he 67? 67, died in his sleep. You know, if you're going to go out, go out, go out in your sleep and having a great career. And, Ray Liotta, a lot of people have come out and said great things about working with him, even mm. Scarsese, you know, Robert De Niro, a lot of greats talking about what fun he was to work alongside. And Apparently he was, he was quite, ch- uh, not childish, he had that childish quality, that boyish quality, that glint in the eye, a bit of mischief. And mm. that's how I'll always like Ray Liotta. Yeah, he, uh, he grew up in uh, Newark, uh, New Jersey area, uh, found in an orphanage. He was oh, dropped off know. at an orphanage, yeah. he's oh. uh, He found out years later that his actual parents came from Scottish ancestry. Oh, that's... But then the family that adopted him were Italian-American background. Well, that is cool. Mm. And then the last film I saw him in was the, the Many Saints of Newark, from the, obviously, the prequel for The Sopranos, a role he famously turned down. So there you go. Full right. circle. Full circle. So that's way more interesting than The Bodyguard. It is. We should have done Rayleigh out of his career. <laughs> we should have done, but maybe in the future. It's time to come. But, but, but we've got to discover... So last week we did Top Gun and we had a lot of fun doing it. Mm. I don't think <laughs> we're going to bring that same great quality of Bodyguard, but that's that's no matter. How are you? You all right? Yeah. I'm good, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got loads of TVs and films to talk about if we need to pad this episode <laughs> out because <laughs> it's been a busy two weeks since we've last chatted. It yes, but, has, but, you know, there's other things been going on. Have you, without going into too much detail, spoilers, have you seen Obi-Wan? Of course I have, mate. You, on a scale of one to ten? at ten being the destruction of a planet, something, <laughs> And number one... Eh, it was. It, i, <laughs> the I really, one being episode two. <laughs> I really liked it. I, I like this. I, you know, I'm a Star Wars fan. Obi Wan has been a series that I've been campaigning for since yeah, the, since fan. the end of Revenge of the Sith. Really, that there's so much more to Obi Wan's journey that we can see between then and New Hope. And I think TV uh, series is just the best format. I think the Marvel TV series that are coming out are just killing it in in showing you that you can take these big characters, put them on the small screen, let their story evolve over time and give these actors the ability to really um, kind of, deliver an arc of that character and Obi-Wan is that person. We know where he's going to get to. We know where he's come from but there's this big section in the middle with loads of toys to play with in the the Star Wars universe and characters that can come back. As long as you make sure that he's still alive, he's got all his limbs and is able to be there for the beginning of episode four, you literally can write your own story. Yeah. There's nothing there. Don't get me wrong. like It's no spoilers. It's in the trailer. There's a Luke Skywalker in this. Uh, who must be what five years old in this, and we know that, or it's been rumored that he's nineteen when he goes on his big adventure. Mm. So, you McGregor is going to age rapidly yeah, in is. the next. You know it Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's just like I say the the planet he's on and everything, but I, yeah, I I loved it. I think I think they're slow burners. I think it's six parts. You know, you know that. Um, you know that Darth Vader is not going to come into it until four or five, you know, mm. probably six is going to be the big showdown. We all promise that there's a big fight coming. Hayden Christensen's back. Um, already, you know, we have got some great nods to the prequels, the, you know, when the Mandalorian did this as well. It kind of showed you that the good in the original, in the, in the prequel trilogy was really good. You know, the lightsaber fight with Darth Maul, the kind of the Naboo Starfleet, uh, uh, jets and everything, they they were like, look, them things were still good. Let's just really capitalize on them and, and keep, ignore the trade and, wars. and ignore all <laughs> the other stuff. Yeah, there's a really good Clone Wars reference, very you know, um, from a uh, veteran uh, clone um, oh, that's cool. who's who's like begging in the streets and stuff. Um, it's brilliant. I yeah, I really liked it. it, it, it the two the two episodes that they premiered. Kind of a slowly bubbling, but you can see it's about to drop, no, and there's going to be something big in it. Well, that's good for pacing wise because you, you're being a further now. I'm going to wait. Power move has happened somewhere in the household. Someone's changed the password for Disney Plus, and I don't know it, so I'm out. So <laughs> I'm my So I'm out, mate. Um, but I think it might be the summer. It might be the summer for TV, mate. So I'm just thinking. By the time you're listening to this, Stranger Things is out. Probably people have binge watched it. Mm. I need to recap because I genuinely can't remember what's happened. Um, Boy Series 3 come out, another trailer for that. It is a great time for the small box. Yeah. Um, Maybe another small box episode is coming soon. Um, But what's the opposite of a small box? The big screen. It's the big screen. I've been to the big screen. Before that, just okay. to just finish on the TV series, oh, have you heard True Detective Season 4 has been announced? Oh, who's in it? Jodie Foster. Nice. And yes, yeah, she's lead and executive producer. Cool. So yes, yeah, True, True Detective Season 4 is on its way. I just thought I'd drop that in because we're big uh, True Detective fans. Series 1 Series 3. Two. Again, two has two, two, like the prequel tr- uh, trilogy <laughs> to got, Star Wars. There's bits. a few things in there. You've got to dig deep to find them. <laughs> But there, there's a few things in that. to say the first series of True Detective was groundbreaking. Yeah. But the thing is, when you watch it, I don't really know why it was. I think it's just Matthew McConaughey mm. showing the world it's like put on your big boy pants. Mm. I can act right. Big so, screen. It's been a, it's been a bit, bit of a weird week for me. This is how I know that you've changed. Remember when you were a kid and your parents went away for the day, uh, went away for the night? You had a big party. You got all your friends around. Fizzy, dizzy on lemonade, mate. <laughs> so I celebrated. Esther doesn't like smelly cheese. <laughs> so. I'm going to tell you, mate. crackers still. win. Mm. this is, this is how you celebrate as a 30 year old. Watch Lion. Great film. I talk about it all the time. However, the next night, date night, went to the big screen. We discussed if Top Gun was so good, would it get you back in the saddle to watch Top Gun Maverick? And we disagreed. You said no, because you didn't have fond memories of the first one. I came away and I thought Top Gun has something that cheeky quality that, you know, it's got me. It did have me. It was charming to the point that I wanted to go see Maverick. Before anyone shoots down, who did listen to last week? Oh, I apologize. I, yeah. I'm good. I will just say that I what I do respect about the eighty two Top Gun is it did push um, cinematography. I think you can't take anything away from Tony Scott's um, groundbreaking use of you know aerial camera and mm. scenes. I mean that that it paved the way for. Decades later, it, it, that's how you then show dogfights, isn't it? it yeah, it, that's that's how they do it now, still, it, it, you know. In, and if you want, if you wanted to pay your hard earned money, you know, in, in 1982 to go watch a movie that was just pure escapism, mouth, uh, what's it like, alpha machoism, you know, like uh, Tom locker, Cruise in his locker room, yeah, banks, banks, mate, yeah, with volleyball scenes, the whole delivers. <laughs> but for me, it, like, I certainly as an adult watching it. I didn't like any of the characters in Top Gun. None of them had any arc whatsoever. I think I was just going back to Top Gun thinking it had more to it and actually thinking I should have just left my brain at the door with Top Gun and maybe enjoyed it better. I'd not say it's a bad movie. It's just not a movie for me. So, the Odin and Sheffield is one of those relaxing ones. I'm going to say it now. I, I don't get it. I don't get why well, everyone loves to be fucking parallel, like laying down when they're watching a the film. My bum went numb, mate, quite early on. <laughs> um just i just saying. i would have gone nap nap mate I would, have, I would have nowadays with having a baby having a kid if i lay down in the cinema i'm gone <laughs> um top gun maverick a film that it's a sequel that they've been speaking about for a quite long time but you you didn't expect it it's been delayed multiple times covid reshoots it's directed by joseph kaczynski starring tom cruise miles teller jennifer connolly john Hamm, lewis bullman and Val Kilmer, it's great to see Val coming back, obviously suffering with throat cancer. He's he's still acting, but at the same time, his acting opportunities have dried up, and he is in it. I'm not saying he's in it a lot, but he is in it. And it's really cool to see. The era of manned fighter jets is coming to an end, and Maverick has been ducking promotions for the last 30 years to keep him in the cockpit. That's what you want, Val. Well, otherwise you can just turn it down. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, nah. I'm all right. Be an admiral. Nah, (laughs) I'm fine. I just like to think of him hiding in the locker room. Like that promotion is going to get me. Where's Maverick? He's in a plane. Oh, bugger. Now there is a top secret mission to pull off and is up to Maverick to train up the new generation of cocky fighter pilots to take on this dangerous outgoing. (sighs) Among the recruits is Goose's son and Maverick has to deal with issues between them both while making him the best pilot he can be to survive this possible suicide mission. Mm. Do you know what? Off the bat, straight away, no no, like humour or sly digs. I really enjoyed this film. I, it genuinely was a very good film. I liked it. The story ten, they take away the element of Top Gun High School. Like, why are they here? To find out who's the best of the best. There is a... They're all the recruits, they are actually have passed Top Gun. They're the best of the best of the best. <laughs> so they've all these that, are, they're, they're good then. <laughs> so they're very good. So you know, Top Gun's for the 1%. This is for the 0.1% that finished top. <laughs> so, <laughs> so already. But there's an actual mission. So there's a point of it. Maverick's in, thinks he's the hot shit. And John Hamm in a dick turn, which is nice because why, why is Tom Cruise there? He won he won Top Gun. He wasn't, mate, but he's the only one that's still everyone else has gone on to be admirals, mate. He's the still the only one firepiling it. Do you remember they made a big deal about Ed Harris being in this film? Yeah. Blink and you'll miss him. You show up to the cinema a minute late, you you're like, well, where's Ed Harris? <laughs> really no point in being there, but it, it doesn't matter. An actual storyline, a reason for them to be there. Um there's a nuclear basically facility in a mountaintop and it requires uh, some flying that these people have never done. You got flying close to the deck. You've got, a steep, you've got to go against G-forces. You've got to drop a bomb. You've then got to navigate SAM, a service-to-air missiles. Basically, it's this, it's this mission that no one can survive. Maverick's brought in to train them. Obviously, Maverick thinks he should be leading the mission. Well, no spoilers, but th- things occur. Why did I like this film? The storyline was actually pretty spot on. Hold your horses. Maverick has grown, kind of, as a character. He's not taller. <laughs> you bully you. <laughs> But he's actually, he's actually wants to do something. And I'm going to say there's scenes with Mars Teller. Mars Teller plays Goose's mm. son called Rooster. And <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> don't. I was about to say, you can't write it, but you can. <laughs> so, Rooster. Yeah. But I'm just saying, not there cock. are. cock. <laughs> not Goose. <laughs> <laughs> Duck. <laughs> Mate, if you, if you recall Quack, best film I've ever seen. <laughs> but he does actually have a great quality. And there's when you first meet him, it's like the Great Balls of Fire scene. So Miles Teller comes in, thick mustache, mate. I, I still would I have been see. proud. Yeah, M- Miles Teller's, he's, he's like 30 going on 50. <laughs> like when you see him in this film. There's a lot of power in that mustache. And I've got to say, it, it was, we have just recently watched Top Gun and it was actually a very good slipway. It mirrors, it uses flashbacks, just in case you haven't seen Top Gun. It's very, very well played. The acting is great. But there's something I want to say, because you're a big Tom Cruise fan. Uh, yeah, in terms of action, he is the guy. And I think it's always, he's always wanted to be the action guy. Isn't he? Mm. That's what he's like when he started off, and this is one of the films that made him. I realised when I was watching this film why I'm not a big Tom Cruise fan because I can't think of that many people he actually has chemistry with. Mm. Like, So when you look at his films, like, weirdly because he married her, but I never thought he had that great chemistry with Nicole Kidman in Days of Thunder. Um or Eyes by Sure. Yeah, or Eyes by Shut, or even Demi Moore in A Few Good Men. A great film, but I just thought there was something a bit off there. Him and Tim Curry, though, they they work really well in Legends. Yeah, when he blasts him into space <laughs> with a unicorn on. Well, I'm just going to say, and I take the piss out of Jennifer Connelly for being the original no-emotion no actress. Mm. She's phenomenal in this. I like, I like her. She's, like, yeah. she's really good in this. And Tom Cruise, they have a natural chemistry. And do you know what I fucking loved? She doesn't call him Maverick once, she calls him Pete. To the point I was like, why is she? Oh, that's his name. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, yeah, if
0: the film is called Pete, be, <laughs> it would be different, wouldn't it? <laughs> Talk on Pete. <laughs> um, a great point cast. John Hamm is brilliant. Th- lays it on thick as the Admiral that you know doesn't like Maverick, mm. but comes to respect him. Yeah, God damn it, he's a loose cannon. <laughs> but Lewis Pullman is your version of Iceman. He's but arrogant, so arrogant, mm. cocky, sure of himself. You hate him. They call him Hangman, mate, because he leaves his wingman out to dry. What I love about that is not only do they accept that in the military, but they also give him a name that corresponds to that. Just like Maverick. <laughs> it's like, is it really his fault? It goes back to the Maverick and Undermane. <laughs> Maverick doesn't follow the rules, Well, you call him Maverick. You're Hangman because you leave every fucking one else left to dry. That's fine. Get on this mission. It's really good. Mars Teller is it, phenomenal. There's more action. And without any spoilers, the last sequence is actually quite fun. And it does and this is what you're going to notice with a film that's basically trying to, it's audience of people that love the original Top Gun and want to see something that's similar. It steeps in so much action towards the end that it makes no sense, but they end up in an old plane. And, you know, so it's like the plane that they flew in Top Gun is really exciting. You're like, oh my God, how did we get here? But you don't care. The use of CGI is actually not overabundant. Mm. Maverick does some of those crazy scenes that you saw him before. You know, so the original one, he flies upside down. There's a lot of that and they use elements of CGI. But the shooting's probably better. The editing's fantastic. The ripples on Tom Cruise's face when he goes to G10. Um, it's tense. Mm. It's action is palpable. It's really good fun. I, I must admit, when I came out of the cinema, I don't know about you, but I never like talking about a film straight out of the cinema. And I'll always use the example of Iron Man 3. Because I went to see it with you, mm. I came out of the cinema and I really loved Iron Man Three. I was talking about how great it was, and by the time we got back to your house, <laughs> I fucking hated that <laughs> film. <laughs> so I left the cinema and wasn't saying anything to Esther. She was, "Oh, it's really good. I like this." I was like, "Hmm," but do you know what? Slept on it, thought about it. It As was crackers and brie. Stilton, it, crack- Stilton, mate. And I've got to admit, do you know what? It was actually one of. It was a really good film. It, I'm really glad I saw it on the big screen, and I was so happy that weirdly. It wasn't a man in a suit or a power. It was, oh, I like the point that they don't mention the villains either in this one. They're just like these baddies. Mm. <laughs> Still no villains. I really did like that. I appreciated the fact that it was just it was it was weirdly a simpler time and it celebrated another film. And I actually really liked Top Gun Maverick. I really enjoyed myself. For the two plus hours I was in the cinema, it didn't let me down. It gave me what I wanted. It was fun. Tom Cruise, who I really don't like, was affable. I really liked mm. Maverick. Is an arsehole, but he's celebrated as an arsehole in this. He's not winning everything, he's kicked out of a bar because he's a bit of a dick. Oh, she- it sounds like it's grown, it's matured. It's it is. maybe, and I'll admit, everything I've read, every uh review, and every uh person who I know that's seen it has said it's a great movie. He's a really great film, and I've got I've I don't re- think I've seen anything negative. I'll be honest, uh, the, uh, my only negative, do you know what? I don't think I've got one. It was really nice to see the CGI is just enough that you know, it's there, but at the same time doesn't take away from the, obviously not going to blow up planes mm. and stuff like that, but it is, is very good. It's nice to see physical and you're, a, you're a big fan of physical acting. Yeah. It's something that we're definitely going to talk about in the, in the coming weeks when we talk about a certain actor, but the physical acting is something new. Mm. We know that Tom Cruise likes to do his own stunts, but these people are throwing themselves in G force situations. And I, I I was blown away by Mars Teller. And right. I just think Mars Teller, this is Mars Teller at the moment is crafting his name to be the next big thing. And I think he's done really well. You know, Whiplash, obviously, the role that landed yeah. him. Fantastic four, you know. <laughs> well, everyone's got to death that. <laughs> but I think working alongside Tom Cruise in this. It elevates him a bit more. Yeah. And it was really good. And I'm just going to say that mustache, mate, thick and you, meaty. You could, you could have, you could have done Zac Efron. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, like a cheap option. And there, there is that thing, in there? Like, uh, was it like five years ago, four years ago, whatever it was, when um, Zac Efron and Tom Cruise were on, Graham Norton and about three times Zac Efron goes I just I just need to tell you Tom like you, you're my idol and, and, and at the time so you're like is this an audition tape for, you for just, Top Gun? <laughs> like, do you, Top the, Gun Pete yeah <laughs> um, yeah there's just a little bit for me I mean I, I've, I've got to see past the Miles Teller moustache because it's one thing I you know it's one thing to be like his name's Rooster oh okay he's also like yeah uh, I've grown a moustache as well because in case you don't know like, I, I'm his uh, yeah. son yeah. yeah I was born with it actually um, <laughs> playing the exact same song he plays in the exact same bar as well I was just like yeah we, we, we get yeah, it we get, yeah. but there's this brilliant moment where Tom he's not met Tom Cruise uh, mild very mild spoilers Tom Cruise is watching from outside and then he has the flashback of Goose playing and obviously his son's on top of the piano and he's like he looks wistful and you know like for longing and then, and then you see Jennifer Connelly looking at him looking at Rooster. It's like, I wonder what's wrong with him. And then, you know, Tom Cruise comes to realisation. It was like, oh, his dad's dead. I was like, yep. It was like, you recognised him when he came in. Why are you just remembering now? (laughs) Why were you like, so what? Because I hope there's one person at the back of the cinema who goes, oh, that's it. (laughs) Although I'd like to point out, uh, Esther's never seen Top Gun. She listened to our episode and she understood it. She understood everything based on our episode. So go back to last week and listen to Top Gun if you haven't. Good luck listening to Bodyguard then. (laughs) It probably seems like the most natural segue is anyone who's downloaded this episode to listen to the great 1992 classic starring Kevin Costner and Whitney Houston, uh, The Bodyguard, it's by Mick Jackson. That is what we're here to talk about. We're sorry. We're sorry. (laughs) But, you know, you you did this to yourself because you downloaded this episode. But, you know, on the quest to find the greatest movies of all time, sometimes you're going to take a detour. Yep. <laughs> well, we also celebrate some of the worst films ever have made. I'm just saying maybe not even there. The, the they- truly painful films are the films that are just middle of the mm. ground and don't do anything. So bodyguard, you gotta be honest, this film came out, you and I would have been like four or five years old, right? Yeah, it would have been like six. Yeah. So we obviously didn't see it in the cinema. No. So at some point in your life, you've gone, I'm going to watch the bodyguard. I've made a conscious choice. <laughs> <laughs> and, what do you think it was? Do you think it was the, the title? Do you think it was Kevin Costner? What, what do you think drew you in? I remember he- hearing about it. Yeah. But it's, yeah. it's a lot like Top Gun. Like I remember everyone talking about the song. It's like Whitney Houston, I Will Always Love You. That song was like syphilis. It's like once you heard that, you couldn't mm. get rid of it. But it's it, not even a song. Dolly Parton did it it's originally. a Dolly Parton song. But, but when you hear... That song, you mm. always think Whitney Houston singing it in this film, which I didn't realise she didn't really sing, she would sing at all till the end. <laughs> oh, that well, yeah, but there's a lot of Whitney Houston songs. It there is. is. I just I remember it was Whitney Houston that drew me in because Whitney Houston was probably one of the biggest stars ever in the early 90s. Yeah, probably I mean, the in, 90s, in, to be fair. Yeah, in terms of R&B singing, I mean her her voice was incredible. Her voice was probably the best. Absolutely incredible. And you and know Kevin Costner was a Hollywood star. I mean, it's it's a little diminished now. You just couldn't help yourself, could you? Apparently <laughs> just, just an advert started playing on my laptop while we are doing the podcast. Um, so uh, I think the film, The Allure, it's like The Bodyguard. It was one of those films that when you were growing up, it's like you had to watch. It's like nowadays, if you were like- fight a passage. It, yeah, vibe, <laughs> I, you say that, but nowadays it'd be like The Matrix. It was like, if you were like a 12- 12... <laughs> Let's not compare The Bodyguard to The Matrix. Okay. I, I, even, I, know, what you, I know what you mean Even though. I knew that was a long shot. I know what you mean. <laughs> they they, they, they so, both they both try and save people. The something about it, I remember being given. I mean, I must have been a teenager because I remember getting the DVD of it, um, and uh, and and it had this big thing about it. And it was a big film in the early nineties, you know. And it had it was it was Kevin Costner being just awesome as the savior of this woman, you know. What what I think it was as well is because I'd watched Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and I think that is one of the first grander films I'd ever seen, you know, bigger budget, lots of these actors that you kind of recognise from something. And then Kevin Costner, oh, he's also in The Bodyguard. The Bodyguard was this film that everyone was talking about and he's just like, oh, I've just watched this. And as I recall, The Bodyguard had a trailer on frigging every VHS I owned. Like yeah. if you bought an X-Men or from that sort of period, it was like, mm. maybe you'd like The Bodyguard. Maybe you, you'd like The Bodyguard. I think you're right though, actually. I think it's probably the Whitney Houston song mm. because it doesn't matter... You know, what age you are. You probably went to a school disco where that was a big song, you know, or you this had is, the box, you know, the TV channel. This is up there with the- Smash hits. This is up there with, you know, uh, Robbie Williams' Angels. Mm. If I hear that song, I mentally check out for five minutes. I just go, I'm not interested. Brian Adams, like, um, yes. <laughs> you know, Prince of Thieves. What was that song? Why has my mind gone blank? Because you're, you've grown now and you've purged that from your memory. <laughs> <laughs> it was number one for like 16 weeks. Everything I Everything do. Everything I do. Do you, yeah. I, unfortunately I haven't purged it and what irritates me now is I've st- I still I've found myself a week on still coming Top Guns <laughs> on the way to work I'm like take it to the limit <laughs> so dangerous, now mate. It's all about so now I'm just man. thinking thanks for that Whitney Houston but um but what I said, was like, it's got, I think, one of the most iconic movie pictures. And I love, um, sorry, movie posters. Mm. I love a movie poster. And I do remember seeing this kind of like, it was different as a dark alley. He's carrying a saving her walking through his alley. But I, as a grown up, you're like, there's no context here. Is he kidnapped that woman? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, is he the bodyguard? Or is he the serial killer? <laughs> I mean, it's pretty strong as well. Kevin Costner, you know, Willie Houston, you've got Bill Cobbs in it. You've got Mike Starr, a.k.a. that guy from <laughs> Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. Um, and of course, Gary Kemp. Don't out, Bali. Who, I'm going to be honest, James. His forehead is in competition with the rest of his face. <laughs> to say, yeah. see, I'm going to get more screen time than you. Because before he enters, you can see his hairline. So, <laughs> I think as well, with, you know. With, I, imagine Kevin, I Imagine Kevin Costner and Whitney Houston weren't cheap in 1992. So they no. obviously saved money by getting <laughs> Gary Kemp in, Look, What I love about it is he's not even the famous Kemp. <laughs> yeah. It's the other one. The other one who went on to be an EastEnders. Yeah, he did. Never forget that. With a, with, with the guy from fucking, uh, oh, I always forget it. He plays, there's the mountain one with, as a cliffhanger. He plays, he plays football with him in the like, ultimate fight. Yeah. He went on to be an Easter. Rise of the Foot Soldier. Rise that of guy? the Foot Soldier. Yeah. <sighs> you ready? Bodyguards. Get, get, um, get atmospheric, mate. It's dark. It's broody. This is how it opens. The movie opens with Frank shooting an armed man in the world's sweatiest car park. It is very sweaty. <laughs> While saving an old man with a ponytail, prick, mm. <laughs> he shoves his face into the ground. I got a question for you. How does this car park work? <laughs> because all the, all the cars are parked in a linear line and door to door. There's no way if he's getting into his car, you have to wait for another fifty people <laughs> to move their cars first. Also, it, it, there's there's not a single car in that car the, park that isn't black. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it, honestly, like as as the aerial shot, because like yeah, you're right. It, smoking gun. It, the film starts with Kevin Costner kneeling over his uh, his client, yeah. protecting them, shoving his face into the ground. Yeah, literally smoking gun. And um, as the car pans away slowly, you know... Just row after like, row. Of Look car. at all of them dark cars. Yeah. So what I like to think is the reason why all those cars were there is because they had to make room because on another level, the Highlander was having a fight. I nearly made that joke. I nearly put it, but instead I put car park where the dress code was black. He turns around and there's a person who's presumably just going to their car uh, and uh, Frank doesn't shoot him, which I really love because there's no reason for not to. Why don't you just assume he's another killer? Anyway, move on. I, I, do, I, do like, I do like that though. I imagine in 1992, I, you know, if he was... Was there seeing it with your significant other and, and they're like, Oh, who's he then? Well, I'm guessing he's the bodyguard. <laughs> if he fucking turned one, if yes. he wasn't, um, the man, uh, sorry, uh, the man he saved asks Frank how he knew the man was an assassin. And Frank replies, he was washing his car and they don't wash cars on the parking levels. So my, my opinion is, if you had a bit of bird poo and you were wiping it off, and some shit. shot you. <laughs> <laughs> also, presumably he can't get to the floor where they're washing their car because there's no fucking room in the car park. <laughs> I mean, thin logic here. Yeah. Thin logic, Frank. Also, I only call him Frank because the idea that his name is Frank Farmer and he's referred to as Farmer. Frank from pisses me off. Yeah, because this, this, this script for this movie was written in, like, 72. Yeah, it was written, like, yeah, it was, like, it, and so like, you had all that time to change the name. <laughs> you literally had 20 years to change the name of that character. Oh, fucking hell. they wanted uh, Dana Ross and Steve McQueen they to did, do the movie. But, and the reason they didn't do it is because they both wanted top billing. And I just think, wow, what a great reason not to... But apparently that happens all the time. Hollywood is crazy. He gets off for the permanent position, but Frank doesn't want that as he's afraid he'll lose his edge if he stays in one place. Now, what I love about this is there should have been a scene in a TV later when that guy's been murdered. (laughs) Because what, what I don't understand is, this is what I really don't understand. We've just seen that someone's tried to kill Ponytail Man. Mm. So Frank decides now to quit. Now, yeah. It's a bit dangerous this job. (laughs) He's like, oh, now I know that someone's trying to kill you. I'm leaving. I'm I'm all right for this actually. So so I'll see you later. Just to be a security guard (laughs) at Toys R Us. I don't know. I do like that as well. Like you think what's going through his head? Like (laughs) stable job, you know, like uh, reliable income. You know, he's obviously good at it. The guys obviously appreciates you. Yeah, he gives him a drink yeah, when gonna, he's on Chewy. going to look after you. And he's like, I'm all right. No, nah, I'm you. just probably going to leave that Yeah, I'll probably just go find something else. You- <laughs> so here's something that you're going to find yourself asking. And I want you to think on this as we talk about this film. Is Frank one of the most boring characters you've ever met? he is he is yeah unfortunately there's not a lot going for this Kevin Costner signed on to this movie for years wasn't didn't mm. he and he got himself up to producer he's the reason why Whitney Houston got hired because he dug his feet in he saw something in this film that I definitely didn't no one <laughs> so- else did <laughs> <laughs> But he, but he he doesn't he doesn't offer a lot, does he? I mean, I suppose the stoic bodyguard character, if Is. he was flamboyant and he was like, you know, he's got pink tie, yeah, just, just like, just, look at that man. Yeah, just just, just big glasses, like Elton John glasses. It might go against <laughs> the code of bodyguarding. Yeah, that that does kind of make sense, but unfortunately, <laughs> if I'm not... He up to work in like medieval armour. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Riding an horse. He's yeah. like, fuck you, I might get shot. <laughs> Oh, but I love this next scene. I'm just gonna put this. Meanwhile, Rachel Marone is the fucking top balls, a celebrated mm. singer slash actor. Out of nowhere, a dressing room explodes. Want, never mind, move on. <laughs> just, just see, just see her on the TV. The room explodes. You don't meet her yet, though. Move on. But no one even addresses that. <laughs> no. Later on, when when Bill Cobb's telling Frank Farmer, no Kevin Costner, why he needs to take the job. He never mentions. I mean, someone fucking tried blowing her up. He's like, oh yeah, a couple of death threats, a couple of cold calls. Someone masturbated on the bed, you know, like oh and um, Uh, what was the other thing? It just slashed the tyres. Oh, that's right. That building fucking blew up. (laughs) (laughs) How does she not know? How does she not know? So like so, because, I get it. because because Kemp tells her there was like like an electrical issue and you're just like it, the room exploded. Did she should see on the news so wouldn't you? Like a fucking explosion. I get it if like they don't show her the death threats and they don't tell her that someone broke into the house and they don't want to scare her and all that mm. kind of stuff. But you would have thought <laughs> I imagine got, she would have taken that quite well when the house exploding. Yeah. <laughs> <Just laughs> like, well oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And also if they did tell her, it would make getting a bodyguard a lot easier. It would be. Or or get the police involved. <laughs> Just just for the record. <laughs> because no one seems to care. It's like, we'll hire a bodyguard. It was like, but I'm fairly certain blowing a place up is against the law. Yeah. Maybe you should tell someone. No, no, we'll get prank <laughs> farm rate. It'll, it'll be fine. <laughs> the logic is there's, there's nothing no one can do. What about the police? no, nah, there's nothing. No, there's <laughs> <nah, laughs> nothing. It's a fucked man. Anyway, back to a more boring version of Alan Titchmarsh here. And that's unfair to Alan Titchmarsh. Uh, who won't be a bodyguard for celebrities. He is negotiating the fee from Rachel's manager while throwing knives at a wooden board. I don't get this because he misses the first two. Is it to imply that he's toying with him or is he really just shit two out of five times? Yeah, th- th- that scene doesn't make sense, does it? Because that, like, because then even then when he does hit the post and he throws, yeah, he's got five knives. The first, th- the first, the two first one is magic misses. Yeah. And it's kind of like he's playing it aloof. Yeah. But at the same time, like, then why'd you hit the other three? <laughs> you, I was I was expecting him to like look away from like the post and throw it behind him and it hit a bullseye. Yeah, like that that kind of thing. And it doesn't. He just kind of goes, You mean something impressive? He, he even tells the guy I won't move there. It's just like because I could probably kill you. It's just like, wow. Yeah. Are you what three grand a day? Sign me up. Asshole. <laughs> um, he agrees to meet the celebrity. And upon arrival, notices the security is not up to par. He tells lies over the intercom and speaks nonsense, but he's still allowed entry into the mansion. Frank keeps giving different names <laughs> to different workers of the house, like a low budget and low risk episode of Jackass. <laughs> so he's just like, my, what I love about it is he doesn't pick like normal names. He's like Edison, did not he? He's like Edison, or it's like the, the Mr. Ford. He's just like, of oh, that famous person that created Ford Motors. Mm. Oh, okay, yeah. So he just walks in just yeah. walks in no one cares no one questions it I, I do just going back as well sorry after after he turns down the job permanent employer and then he, he goes back to his house he, he sees all the mail and everything I've actually forgotten that. I, oh, it might have earlier that I've mentioned but, that he lives but, in a serial killer's house yeah that's what I mean I was about to say he lives in a shithole like you would get you get someone to look after your mail because there could be important bills in that yeah you know what I like is he eats soup out of the saucepan <laughs> as if to say like point it in a bowl is beneath me Right. Like, <laughs> He hasn't got time. (laughs) (laughs) He hasn't got time. He's got to do all of this. He just turned down a job, James. He's got nothing but time. (laughs) What? next (laughs) year we see him, he's fucking throwing blades at a piece of wood. I love the fact that like, that should be an audition for any job. Yeah. <laughs> just like, oh, do, do you want to work in McDonald's for this night for this war? But it, it does, like, it goes back to that point. Is Frank Farmer's such a boring character. <laughs> and I get it that they're, they're trying, it's like, oh, it's a noble profession. It's about sacrifice. It's dedication. It's about, you You can't have a bad day. You cannot slip. You cannot, um, you know, uh, relax or be off duty at any point. Because at any point, something can happen. But He's just boring He's boring. He is very. No, I was gonna go back to my house and eat some soup out of the <laughs> saucepan. You go to bed early. It's really boring. that like, soup as well. Just like have a steak or something. Or yeah. even just like something a bit fancy. Cheese toasty. Cheese. Oh mate, cheese. To- some still. Cheese-, <laughs> cheese-, cheese-, <laughs> cheese toasty with some beans in it. Go straight into it, eating it. Don't wait for it to cool down because he's a bodyguard. Because now we know he's hard. think <laughs> he, he can handle temperatures. That says way more to me than him not opening his mail. Sorry, what I? Yeah, I just that just really upsets me is the mail part. But what really upsets me as well is that he doesn't seem interested in an interview with this manager, who presumably he has set up. <laughs> Because <laughs> so, he ultimately starts with, I don't do celebrities. And then by the end of it, it's like, yeah, three, three grand a day, yeah, I'll do it, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> when he talks, mate. But I do I do like it then when he pulls up to the house, the big mansion. I mean, this is a super mansion, isn't it? This is such a cool place. Where have you seen this mansion before? Do you know? Uh, What's well, two? I don't know. I want to say something like, I don't know. It's the same mansion that's in the original Godfather when uh, Tom Hagen... Uh, Creeps in there and they chop a horse's head off and Is they leave really? it. it's the same mansion. I actually put in my notes that the mansion straight, like, slap bang out of um, Scarface. Mm. I thought, I thought there's, there's yeah, a see uh, you, you could have seen Winnie Houston coming down the stairs with a bloody machine gun. <laughs> I thought you were going somewhere different. I was. I had to stay very, <laughs> I had to stay very clear from that, James. I've also, I've also stayed clear. <laughs> so. Inside the house they are shooting a music video with smoke machines and a weird ass robot looking thing that is fucking terrifying. <laughs> this is weird, isn't it? It's so weird, but I also think if that's what she wears in a later scene, so less terrifying. But if I was if I was taking an appointment, yeah. I'd be like, Come at five, I've got something at three. You're a you you play music, don't you? Mm. Would, would you in your living room, just sell for like a fucking million smoke machines and have strangers well, just if, fucking if i had a living room, probably, yeah, probably That's just a good shot, but you would though. It's just bad, it's just bad. Heck, isn't So yeah, I'm, I'm you know, come at five because we'll turn the smoke machines off at four.
1: <laughs> you clear. should be open the window, should be able to
0: see you by then. <laughs> um, I've just a as personal side here. This is just my own thoughts. Uh, when are people just going to admit that dancing is shit? Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. fucking hate dancing so much. Inside, we meet Rachel, who seems less interested in who Frank is and more about the ludicrous display we just witnessed. Also, inside the house is Rachel's manager, Bill Devaney, her publicist, Sly Spectre, her current head of security, Tony, Rachel's sisters, Nikki, and Rachel's eight year old boy, Fletcher, and Henry, a valet. That's true. So yeah, you, these are all the characters you'll need to know. Don't worry about it. And weirdly, later Frank's dad gets him off, but weirdly, <laughs> that I'm jumping an idiot That's so weird. <laughs> That's just randomly and weird. Right, but we'll get into it. Rachel doesn't want massive changes to the house and doesn't want and doesn't want to scare her son. So she wants Frank to be more background well, fuck that, Mr. Beige 1992 walks the fuck out like a real hero. I do like that bit. If the the movie ended there, I'd be like, (laughs) yes, this film is awesome. What a hero. But that's actually some... I really like the fact that she doesn't want disruption because she doesn't want to scare a kid. Yeah. But also, this could all be circumvented by someone going... Uh, someone tried to blow you up with a bomb. Yeah. <laughs> just just at the beginning of the movie. I, like, I get it. I get it you don't want to scare your kid, but do you know what's scarier for your kid? Explosions. <laughs> <laughs> just just random, random fire and explosions. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, you could, I have, you could have Frank Farmer here walking around checking the windows at night or boom, boom. <laughs> all right. Delaney catches up to him and explains he needs Frank more than anyone realizes, and that he's kept something from Rachel. Well, yeah, <laughs> yes. So, so I do like this bit as well. When when uh, he introduces the bodyguard to Rachel, and she, you know she's busy, she's got her entourage around her, she's having a good time. She yeah. doesn't want she doesn't want seriousness. She's young, she's popular, she's got money, you know. And then all of a sudden, they're like oh, it's your bodyguard, and she's like, you don't look like a bodyguard. Well, fuck me. Like, what would you expecting? Like, Stone Cold? Yeah. Like, yes, on job. <laughs> yes, you mate. Just create a much better film. Because <laughs> no, they talk about remaking this all the time. Fuck mm. it. How great would it be if it was just fucking, I don't know, Vanessa Hutchins and they were like, fuck it, Stone Cold Steel yeah. has the bodyguard. Like Dave Batista, <laughs> mate. Dave Batista, mate. You're it itself. <laughs> <laughs> you don't look like a bodyguard. I don't like that like Robin Hood, neither. But, you know, just wait till next year. <laughs> Delaney and Spectre show Frank various letters. With some pretty cool artwork. I mean, it's horrifying, but I think it's drawn pretty well. They also lied to her about the explosion, and they show him the room. The, the room. R- the room refers to a bedroom in Rachel's house where someone broke in, left a letter, and had a wank. <laughs> yeah, this is a, what I like about all this is like the explosions, the death letters, costing the jaws to line at masturbation. Is <laughs> like, someone masturbating in this room? <laughs> no, not <on> my watch. <laughs> Just, <laughs> Love the fact that Leia, his personal thing, is across as well. I would with with if he we was just super religious. Like one of the rules, he's like, "No meat on Sunday." <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just, just be so amazing. Yeah, uh, that that whole scene is weird. Like when you look at it, you're like, "It's basically here's the suspects." Yeah, you go to that room. You're like, "Here's the suspects: the sister <clears throat> that the camera keeps pointing to awkwardly. Yep. You got Man, Gary from out Ballet. <laughs> There's obviously something wrong with it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, what's his name Max from um, Dumb and Dumber." Mm. Uh, Mike Star, Tony, Tony, Tony. Tony. And, um, yeah, that whole scene is like, that's the crux, isn't it? Like, if you fell asleep, you have to, that's the bit where the like, look, y- y- you got to sign up, you got to take the job. Her life is in danger. This, you know, I know that she's, she's wild and she's a party animal and she's young and, you know, and all this, game. Not she's not irresponsible, but, you, you know, whatever. <laughs> And it is weird how, like, the explosion isn't the thing that Kevin is like, drawn to. It's, it's like... The, it's the wank. It's like, oh, someone gave me here. Someone gave me it. Oh, oh, shit. Me. Oh, what, I lo- what I don't understand about this piece is that they go in the room and just go, someone's had a wank in the <laughs> or did, did they not try to hide the the, 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 the specimen? <laughs> did they not do it into something? Someone, did, like, Spando <laughs> no Balletman comes and goes, someone's had a wank <laughs> Look, also there's a lair. The ending should have involved someone getting shot in the cock as well. The real villain. Don't die just yet. Speaking, speaking of which, it's time to catch up with the masturbator who is in a lovely dark room watching music videos of Rachel wearing latex gloves and cutting out letters from magazines. You mm. also see that he's got a big old blonde bonce. Now, Frank wastes no time with changing shit. He rips out the old gate, makes this driver his new assistant, builds loads of camera systems, teaching the driver how to drive, which is a great bit where where he teaches him how to drive. One of my list as well. What's the what's the makeup here? What's the, the structure of the company? Because if I'll, I'll do you driving, yeah, i just do a bit of driving. Mm. Or you want me now to be your assistant and deal with bombs? Mm. Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> I, I didn't sign up for that. Get too far. Not my job, mate. <coughs> oh, he even has time to talk to Nikki who used to have aspirations of stardom herself. Don't worry. <laughs> so, used to have uh, aspirations. We now call that motive. Mm. Um, Frank, uh, Frank takes down the biggest threat so far in the movie, a 12-year-old girl. <laughs> which is, which he... Oh, she, well, she, she, goes, goes, she, goes, she goes to get a thing and he's like, no! Yeah, <laughs> kick her in the head. Get out of here. You're not having an autograph. Uh, but on their way back to the house, Frank notices that they're being tailed and somehow outruns a car in an attempt to catch up with it. So in all this section, so I I do quite like this scene, this, this, this whole montage a bit, because you've got Rachel who's doesn't want the bodyguard, doesn't feel that the presence is needed, doesn't know why You know the entourage is kept from her, the reason why she needs a bodyguard. So that, that's all fine. And she starts, she's a bit curious. She's like, oh, he's putting up a camera here and there. Mm. He's cutting trees back so that it's more visible. You know, he's, he's bringing in a new iron fence, you know, and, and a new uh, intercom system. So... You know, and all this kind of she's like, oh he's the real maybe he's the real deal. Maybe um maybe this thing about him. But this is the bit though, James, where he yeah. fucking launches into action. Yeah. When he's in a vehicle mm-hmm. being followed by another vehicle, and he's like, I will take I'll take to this vehicle by foot. Yes. Because we all know running after a vehicle is much better than being in the vehicle you was in. He does a very good job though. What was his plan? To to. Because he jumps Chew- out of the vehicle. Now I'd like my odds if I'm in the vehicle yeah, it to make win sense. that fight. <laughs> it doesn't make more sense. Yeah. yeah. What I love about this though is is the stalker and it is the stalker because we see the blonde bond is mm. so close. But what what was his plan? It was like I'll just follow behind them. Yeah. <laughs> they won't notice another car. I'll just follow behind. <laughs> <him>. <laughs> just just just, just know the profanity. He's like, who are you, uh, Rachel? <laughs> and the other bodyguard. Yeah. You did not order. Did you not say me. But no, he gets out of it, runs it. What I love about it is, Overenthusiastic, mate, because if he carried on running, he would have caught up for it. It's the jump that does him. Because he jumps and he misses it. But why why jump at a vehicle? I don't I don't know. Do we not know something about Frank Farmer? Like oh. he's he can stop a vehicle. Dad should have come up earlier. Because the only the only development you get from him is he used to be Reagan's bodyguard and he blames himself for Reagan being shot, despite the fact and everyone says this, he wasn't there that day. It was yeah. his day off. It, well, and then later on in the movie we're jumping ahead, but later in the movie we learned that he took the day off because his mum was being buried. Yeah. Which I think it's worthy of a day off. It is, but what I'm is it's like this, it's just like, oh my God, my mum gave birth to me, but I let the president down. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, yeah, okay, calm down a little he bit. He yeah. loves bodyguarding. He, does, he loves it. We talked about this last week, like Tom Cruise just loves fighter jets and he loves- He loves them so much that he he forgets he's seen them before. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, yeah, I fucking love fighter jets. And Like Kevin Costner, Frank Farmer, he just loves bodyguarding. He loves bodyguarding so much. Anyway. And yeah. Oh. Rachel and Frank start butting heads as she cannot stand all these extra security measures and there's a line here which I just love is because she's got a set record a uh, set like things that she does on certain days he moves brunch and oh yeah. Gary Kevin comes up with Tuesday morning brunch where did you get this guy? <laughs> I actually wrote that quote down. <laughs> brunch on a Tuesday. Where'd you get yeah, this guy? Fucking brilliant! I, I just we to a montage scene of all the on-screen. Not <laughs> <laughs> Brunch on a Tuesday. There should have been a scene on that Sunday mm. where everyone sat around. It's like where was she? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't do brunch on a fucking Sunday, Tuesday. Oh, they talk at a clothes shop with Rachel trying to embarrass Frank with a cheeky bit of flirting, but he. No, not for yeah, him. Mate. him mate. He's, he's on the clock. He's, he's only three grand a day. But but don't worry about it because soon that will change. Um, the I like this scene though. I like that scene in the charity shop. They do shop. need to so, have one-on-one time. It, yeah, and it, 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 you know, it does two things. It shows she's grounded. Mm. She's like Jenny from the block, mate. She knows where she was raised. She knows how she was born. You know, she still shops in charity shops and, and, and stuff like that. Okay, that's cool. You know, he then also doesn't bow down to her stardom. She's mm. like, can you pass me that? He's like, I'm not here to pass your shit. I'm here to fucking... I'll what? take a bullet, but I won't pass that blouse. What I hate, though, is that the she and grin he's got. It's like, yeah. no. And if I was here, I'd be like, I pay your son, so you would do what the fuck I say. Now, three, dance monkeys, three, three grand, dick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. someone say bonus out the window? I'm sorry. Um But I do... That scene is good because you need... You know, in this high-octane adrenaline thriller that we're watching, yeah, you do need a moment for, for the well, foot off the pedal a little bit to actually let some chemistry happen between the two. Well, I'm just saying now, this next scene, talk about fucking U-turn and I don't understand the point of this scene. Well, in context, you're supposed to think that he's trying to get to know her, but I don't know why he does this. The next scene takes place back at the house, and it is now Frank watching Rachel Music videos. Why? It's weird and mm. never explained. Also, he is listening to the video so loud that Rachel can hear it from the other side of the house. Yeah, I start thinking, hold on, he's a bit of a weirdo. The only thing we know about the stalker is that he watches music videos. Like, if there should have been a scene where he like puts something blonde in a box. <laughs> no, <and, laughs> <laughs> oh. again, better movie if he turned out to be the uh, that would be. It's like the bodyguard. Dot dot dot. Maybe. Mm. Anyway, while well, doing some late night bomb checking. <laughs> Yeah, that's hard. I also don't understand this. Is he waits till late at night to check for bombs? It's just like, well, maybe you should have done that during the day. Because they they go in the dark. (laughs) Everyone knows that about bombs. It's the easiest way to see the little blinking light on it and the little timer. (laughs) Weirdly, that does make sense. (laughs) There is a scene, though. There is a scene in this movie. It might be around here where it's like, Oh no! It's coming up in a minute where they're just like, oh, just, 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 uh, just do something a bodyguard would do, and he's like looking, he's like looking at a, uh, a security camera with a torch in the daylight. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? Like, you're just checking the cameras. Yeah, everyone knows that. Yeah, the easiest way to check the cameras so is with, going, you, with your fucking eyes. Like- <laughs> are they recorded? Yeah, well, they're fucking working then. <laughs> Anyway, Rachel decides to go to a nightclub to have a late night boogie. Outside, it is crazy with fans going wild. She's got a to promote, mate. She's got a day job. Well, it's funny She mentions, that because I'm about to bring this up. Inside the club dressing room, which I don't really understand, but because it's not a nightclub, it's some sort of venue, but, okay. They're in the dressing room. Rachel finds a note from the stalker, and Rachel finally finds out about the other letters and the stalker being in her house. Ooh, what's really weird is she finds out now, but part of the condition of Frank joining the team was that they fucking told her. So mm. was bit, if I was Frank, I'd be like, did you not tell? <laughs> I, mean, I was going to do it later, but, you know, we've had to rearrange brunch and... <laughs> <laughs> it just cuts to someone going, "But I, I don't want to do it on Sunday. <laughs> I, I want to do it on Tuesday. <laughs> the other person on the other end just doesn't get it. <laughs> just like, what time on Sunday? No, Tuesday. <laughs> um... She decides to still perform because she's a performer at the event, which has obviously been planned, but no one told the bodyguard. which mm. <laughs> doesn't make sense. I do like this bit. This is a bit where it's like, she's at the, she, again, Gary Kemp just gets all the best lines in this. You can't, you can't brun- brunch on the Tuesday. Where'd you get this guy? The next one comes up where she's like, she's, so she's just seen this death threat that, it ha- that says in it, You, 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 you're gonna die. Yeah, like so. It's a clear. You have everything. I have nothing. So I'm gonna blow you up. Yeah, and so and she knows about now. Someone's been in the house. All this kind of stuff. She's like, but I've still got to go out there in front of my fans. This is my job. I've got a single to promote. And Gary Kemp just looks at Kevin Costner and he's like, you don't get it. If she doesn't go out there, she's dead anyway. It's, it's, not really. I mean, the, the complete opposite of being dead is Have alive. Have seen her fucking house? <laughs> she's got money. Just sure. Also, she's also an actor because later she's up for an Oscar, so she don't really need to. Do I know. This. I didn't really get what she was in this because I'm like, oh, like I think she's Jennifer Lopez, right? Okay. Before Jennifer Lopez, <laughs> she she can do all. So when he used to make, she does what she wants. I actually can't think of another film when he used was in. Never mind. The fans start kurganing the stage like England fans. <laughs> 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 as a joke to our oh. Highlander episode, where if you ever want to be anything, just run at them and England for being terrible football fans. Rachel is knocked into the crowd and everyone starts clawing at her. Time for Frank to shine as he grabs fire extinguisher, elbows some bitches and even gets to kick the stalker in the face. That, that's fucking brilliant. Because <laughs> 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 he, just... <laughs> he obviously doesn't know he's the stalker. The blonde guy's just stood there like, I think he's saw to menace, <laughs> Frank just oozes him yeah. in the face. Rachel's like, <laughs> fucking <it>, boom. <laughs> take, take, take this fucking foot to your chin. But shh. We don't know he's a stalker yet, so it's no. fine. But what would be great is later when the stalker gets picked up, there should have been a f- shoot for nice <laughs> <Alex's> in face. <laughs> Back at the club, the stalker finds a piece of Rachel's ripped clothing. Time for round two. Mm. Speaking of knocking one out, <laughs> the two security guards, Frank and Tony, have a fight to determine who is the alpha and <laughs> who will die in Dumb and dumb. <laughs> He's like, actually, do you know what? As scenes go, he's in there. He's, Tony comes in. He's obviously pissed off. This guy's replaced him. This is one of the few scenes where I was actually, this is pretty cool and actually tells you something about Frank's character that he does have a limit. He's very Steven Seagal though. He it, is very he? Steven Seagal because he's, he's very nonchalantly beats the shit out of Once him. Whilst eating an apple. Whilst <laughs> eating an apple. To the point though that Tony like even grabs a knife is like, and then you think, oh, so Tony's a murderer now. Yeah. So, so we, he's so he's upgraded from use to security guard to just I'm gonna stab this bar. And, <laughs> and the thing is as well, Tony's mad because the limo got <laughs> left the nightclub. It did, it went in a different route because Tony cleared out. I'd like to point out single handedly a route to the limo. So Tony <laughs> it, did a really good job, yeah. but no one was following Tony. So and, all Tony <laughs> did was beat the shit out of everyone. So, so they leave Tony stranded and it's raining, mm. which makes me think one or two things. Tony really doesn't like cardio <laughs> and he's just had to walk home in the rain. (laughs) or Tony doesn't do well in rain it makes him angry (laughs) either way he comes in he thinks I'm gonna gonna, gonna stab you (laughs) I'm gonna have a bit of a slapping fart with uh, Kevin Costner Frank Farmer but it doesn't matter because as we've shown earlier you know I mean, this is great. Three out of five times he can hit the target because it would be fucking brilliant if he accidentally threw it at him yeah. and he'd landed in movie, his neck and he like, whoa, this is the third time this movie could have been better. It was the next scene that <laughs> he's put, dragging a corpse <laughs> across the house. <laughs> just, Rachel looks out the window, what are you doing? You're just fucking bedding some plants, nothing on the rear. <laughs> <laughs> it's Tony. I, I, I had to something. let Tony go. <laughs> um, uh, basically, the next morning, Rachel apologizes to Frank and tells him she plans to cooperate. She also says she likes to go on dates, but because Frank will always be there, fuck it, Frank, will you take me out for these dates? Come out the middle, man. We don't need relationships because fuck it, the story is just going to give us their relationship now. He takes her to see a samurai film, which is quite a cool nod because I read somewhere that this is supposed to be a nod to Steve McQueen being the original choice. Obviously, he remade. There's a famous story about Samurai, which they remade into the Magnificent Seven. Apparently, this is a nod to that, which is pretty cool. If that's true, I mean, cool. They have a cheeky flirt. They go to a bar and chat more things over a beer, such as what it means to save a life. Has Frank ever had a girlfriend? Frank even makes a joke. What a hilarious fucker. <laughs> so many layers to Frank. <laughs> so many honestly. They have a dance, and they end up back at Frank's serial killer place. <laughs> So let, let's just break down this bit, because this is a good, you know, like so these, watching this, very similar to Top Gun, Rewatching Top Gun last week and talking about it. Fucking I, I'm looking forward to this. I hadn't seen Top Gun for like 15 years yeah. until I rewatched it. I haven't seen The Bodyguard since I was a teenager, Rewatched it. It was at this point I realised The Bodyguard is not an action movie it's at not all. all no. At all. It is a romantic drama that has one or two very short bursts of- of yeah. physical action, you know, or a gun shoots. But at this point, so we are 50 minutes into the movie by this point, and I'm like, oh yeah, it is a full-on rom-com. Not rom-com, it's a full-on on romantic a, one drama. Joking, I mean. yeah. yeah, well yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking slapping my thigh in that scene. It's so funny. But, you know, this scene where they're across the table from each other, where Kevin Costner, the, 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 the veteran actor, in this point has to act, you know... Um, what they're going for the strong silent type. The, the problem is Frank talks too much to be the silent type. He's just shut up, and he just come across as <laughs> like really out of his depth in mm. his environment. The whole point is he's took her to what a real you know. You think you think you're grounded because you still shop in charity shops, and you think you're grounded because you you know you've never forgot where you've come from, and you've brought your friends up with you, and you're now you know. Frank's like, no, this is the real life. This is the working man's place when he takes it yeah. to like a steak dinner with a beer and it's like country western music yeah. dancing. One of the boys, no one recognises her as well. That's, that's Yeah, and, <laughs> and that's really good in the and you know, that's been done, you know, in a in a lot of romantic comedies <laughs> where, you know, one of them's a megastar and they go somewhere off the tracks and no one you know, and that's cool. But this scene as well, that you know, this is the crux of the movie. When you realise it's a romantic drama, the gel, the, the two after gel and, the, and it doesn't really work because Kevin, Kevin Carson does this thing and it's probably just really bad editing but every time he goes to speak he's got a, the beer glass in his mouth and I'm just thinking oh, if you're trying to have that. a conversation with someone put your fucking glass down Frank, yeah. you know what I mean and, and, <clears throat> and have it. And, and I Maybe do, that's an extra layer that he doesn't know that because he spends his time watching people not interacting with people. Oh my God, did we just give Bodyguard another layer? <laughs> we did. <laughs> Frank has another layer. We're down to three. Yeah. <laughs> but I do, I do, you know, like, <laughs> The scene when I'm they laughing. then go- for, so much more than I thought I was going to do in this film. I was laughing when I was watching the film. <laughs> but the, when they go for the dance and everything. It is sweet. And, you know, you have, you know, the Dolly Parton rendition, but talking about someone else, and they're like, forget it, out, there's three versions of this <laughs> song. Um, you know, and she's like listening to it, and she's like listening to the words, and 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 then she's like, oh, it's funny, you know, it's a, it's a love song, but he sounds so sad. And then Frank listens literally to two words of the song and starts laughing, and you're like, oh, that's just really bad acting. Yeah. And at that point, I thought, it's just a vehicle for Whitney Houston's track. Yeah. It actually is. Yeah, that's probably, that's the thing that came out of this and made the film. It's product the placement is that song. It, it, I, you know, and it, it's a shame because I think that's the scene. If they genuinely gelled. Like, w- compare it to something like, um, what was the thingy one? Um, the, Lady Gaga and Valley um, oh, Cooper. Oh, China. Something about Star, Star born. Star Born. Yeah. They had great chemistry, yeah. the two of them. And, you know, you, you had this idea that they- in the roughest times, you know, with his alcoholism in that in that thing, in that film, that she was still solidly like, I just, you know, you and me are meant to be together. And you, you got that in a, in a 90 minute feature, or two hour feature, you got that. Have you read no much about- No point this film did I think them two were compatible. Well, it's really funny you mentioned that because that's exactly what test audiences thought. And to the point that if part of his contract, Kevin Costner could re-edit the film instead of the director, and he caught out a lot of the monologues of Whitney Houston's character- and basically really cut down their time together. It deleted, like, removed several sex scenes to keep it to the one. Basically took a hatchet to the performance so that if you notice it, uh, Whitney Houston never on screen for that long before there's a cutaway mm. to take the pressure off her as well so that she does not have to act for longer. So that, And that's a shame because I think she comes off really good for a first acting I performance. Do, but she's, then... She's good. But then when I was reading that, I was like, how much is that down to editing? Because Kevin Costner, say what you want about him. He's been in so many films. He must have known... He, he, he must have he apparently worked a lot of magic in this. Mm. He, he's one of them guys. I, I imagine him, it, there's people like him and um, Dustin Hoffman, you know, uh, kind of people that I think are, when the film's done, they're not done. Tom Cruise is probably another yeah. example. They sit in the editing room and they, they get a draft. <laughs> definitely Tom Cruise. It's like, I'm going to yeah. this film. <laughs> But um, yeah, that, that, that's for me. So at this point, realizing rewatching it recently, that it's not an action movie and it's also a non-compatible romance movie. It, it it's is really a really redundant film, is it? It's a bit bland. It's it's the equivalent of eating soup out of a saucepan. I've never been more convinced after looking at Frank's place that this is the last house a lot of women see. <laughs> he takes it to the basement of his house. Is that his house or is that the place he's living at hers? It's hers, no. is it? Oh, is it? Oh, always just thought... No, well, no, it, no! I don't think it's because in the next part, Rachel goes through his belongings, including a high school picture of Frank, where he looks older than he does now. <laughs> I thought I thought he just packed a few things and brought you know like um, his, his family photos, his samurai sword, and a few other bits and pieces, and just moved him into his. I, I, to us, I didn't really think where they went, but it does look like a serial killer's basement. She picks up his samurai sword because, of course, he has a samurai sword. He demonstrates how sharp it is by throwing up her silk scarf and it being cut in half as it lands. As any pimple-faced teenager with a sword will tell you, women fucking love swords. And she immediately bangs him because, fuck it, he has a sword. Yeah, (laughs) two things about this. One, that sword is a metaphor for his massive erection that he has at this point. (laughs) that can (laughs) cut the trick like (laughs) this. And secondly, what if she just turned around and went, my fucking mum got me that scarf. is the last thing she fucking a got me fucking silk scarf yeah. you absolute twat one of a kind <laughs> it was a gift you prick and you just samurai sorted it in half I love the Might fact why don't you just go get some yeah. butter and cut that <laughs> you know what I mean like, hold on I am just going to show you how sharp this sword is what, what I love is, ben, what I love as well is surely silk's not that difficult to cook when you do that with scissors yeah. <laughs> just just go do some concrete yeah. <laughs> just you know, go do some go cut go, go cut Tony in half <laughs> Was, yeah go cut an apple we've seen you cut an apple in this movie just yeah there's so many better ways he's is iconic isn't it I remember that yes. from from uh, from watching it's, the first time it's it's weird that that's iconic it's like he cuts a close up with a sword yeah. in a room that looks like he kills people in it and I and I think that's the thing isn't it like the, the sword that scene is meant to represent him as well that he, you know he's she's delicate and he's gonna, and he's deadly and, and he's deadly. you know he, he might not he doesn't need to do anything because because we can't get that through character development. You have to literally be shown it. <laughs> Look, if you blink, you miss it. Which is it metaphor. No. 30, <laughs> Thirty years later, I understand this movie. But no, I think I think the um, that's that scene again is, is, is somewhat iconic, but it, it's it's also somewhat laughable as well when you're watching now. I, again, why don't why don't the samurai soul come back into it later on? Really. It, it, it was only contractually allowed to be there for two days just, you know he's like he's out of bullets he's like fuck it and he just reaches for his samurai sword there should have been a great moment where you see him bite. it's like a <laughs> I want this <laughs> sword I do love it though if if you, if you threw the silk scarf up in the air and it cuts him off and then he just cuts to when he he's just like <laughs> okay, I'm leaving you nerd <laughs> you ready for a u-turn like
1: this is shocking
0: <laughs> this is shocking <laughs> You. The next day, Frank has immediate regret and tells Rachel that it can't happen again, as he can't protect things because he can't protect things he likes. <laughs> what I love this is like I like you, so I can't protect I, you. I can't. That's why. I never work it at a school. <laughs> <laughs> just, that's why I to leave the. I left the ponytail, man. Just, just, it, like, just when, just when like I had head. my knee on his back, I thought, "Hey, oh, I love that car so i didn't get insurance?" <laughs> Obviously, one of she's a superstar. So if you watch it from now, he's like he's banged her. it's like fuck that. Yeah. Yes, he's gone to Twitter. <laughs> just just nailed Rachel. You, you, you're punching Costa. <laughs> you're, you're punching, and then it, the next day he's like, it, I wish he just looked at it. Went, it's not you. It's you. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like you didn't appreciate the sword thing. Yeah, it, this <laughs> is a one time thing, Rachel. Um, well, you know, Rachel, she does not take this well, not well at all. I don't think she, she should have. And it's not all bad, though, because she gets nominated for the most prestigious award available, the MTV Kiss Award. <laughs> no, it's an Oscar. At a party in Miami, Frank t- runs into old work colleague Portman. One odd time to run into an old work <laughs> yeah. colleague. Hmm. You might recognise the actor, Thomas Arena. Never the main actor, always a secondary character. Character, either a henchman or the friend of the main guy. Or a villain. Yeah, why why where are we in this story? We're over halfway and introducing this off-the-cuff character played by a familiar face. Mm, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> As they talk, Rachel comes over and in an attempt to make Frank jealous, flirts with Portman, taking him into a private room for shenanigans. She's had a taste for bodyguards. <laughs> she <laughs> she likes it. Frank walks away in disgust. This is important. In the room, Rachel has changed her mind, but Portman refuses to let her know for an answer. But luckily, Tony was nearby doing his fucking job. Not like (laughs) her actual bodyguard who was fucked up. (laughs) What a (laughs) cuck. Can't, I can't look after you because I'd like you. So I won't sleep with you. So now I don't like I don't know know about you, James. I don't know about you, but like... So I now I have a kid And I like that kid And I like her so much That I look after her <laughs> so It's just, actually done the opposite Because so I've seen the... other people's kids I don't give a shit <laughs> <laughs> Like literally <laughs> I couldn't care yeah. about Some other people's kids <laughs> but I have what I care about <laughs> I, would, I would now jump in front of a bullet For that kid But someone else is I don't yeah, care fuck The logic of this Flawed Flawed the next day, Rachel slips by Frank to go shopping. And how does this former security guard for, who served two presidents respond to this slight annoyance? He beats the shit out of a random man. Yeah. <laughs> Again, it's odd. I love the fact that he then apologises like, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. or he gets taken to court. He yeah, loses his license. He loses his license. he does, He goes to the kitchen. Now, to be fair... That chef is smoking in the kitchen. He's so he deserved. Yeah. So he, <laughs> he deserved at least 10 of them punches. <laughs> oh no, Frank is off the rails. It's Frank at his craziest. Imagine a man dizzy on mm. lemonade. This is Frank right now, mm. but it's going to get weirder. The stalker rings up Rachel and calls her mommy. Dad, you know what? That scene's actually quite... I'll, I'll say this for the film. I think the stalker angle's done pretty well because he rings up and he says, Mommy... And then she obviously thinks it's a 8-year-old Fletcher. It's like, oh, what'd you have for dinner? And then he just starts saying no in a really weird- That is creepy. That's creepy. He's like, no. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'll give you that. Yeah, well done. <laughs> um, it shakes her to a core and she agrees to all of Frank's demands, sending her staff away and cancelling the upcoming concert. Frank sends her to the cold regions of America to spend time with his dad. <laughs> it's a bit weird, isn't it? Because as we know- and also, I haven't mentioned this much, but Frank is doing his own investigation now. He's got two former colleagues trying to find out who this is because, you know, the police don't give a shit because they've got stuff to do. But it also means that he's got all these connections. She's got all this money, but he's trying to take her off the grid. Or anywhere else in the world. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's he's kind of built her mansion to be a bit like Fort Knox. And, but but has already admitted, nah, there, not good enough. Yeah, it's Do what you need. You need a place with none of that. A wooden cabin <laughs> with you know, They need to take you to a wooden cabin that's really hard to escape from. Yeah, look at that, isn't it? Mm. Um, I'm going to tell you now. The story fucking dies here. <laughs> Just slows to a. It's like it's been stabbed, and nothing happens. Then this this is also a '90s nice thing, which is a, you know where halfway through the movie. They're now making, and the, the film's called The Bodyguard, so I, I appreciate he's the of the character in that. But this is where the film takes a massive U-turn, which I think is really, you don't see nowadays, which is you're now making it about him. Mm. And it's less about the investigations, less about that. Why is someone so hell bent on destroying this woman's life? And who is it? And and obviously it's like, no, no, let's let's you know, as we go into the final third of the movie, let's make it just a little bit more about him. Let's meet his dad. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, that's fucking irrelevant. How? At least in like it took three movies for uh to meet Joe Butler's dad in uh, <laughs> that's true <laughs> in, in, <laughs> that is that is very true. That's yeah, you know the point. Um I would love though, if there would be better storyline if his dad's his dad's even nicer than Frank. But what if he was just a massive racist? <laughs> just like, how dare you bring yeah. Winnie Houston here? But no, because that would be that would require you know, more writing, more story development. Frank's dad's like, fuck it, who are all these people? Yeah, oh. but what I love about it is that he's got, it's lucky that Frank lives in a fucking mansion in the middle of nowhere because he had like a two bedroom be ass. Yeah. like, thank you for bringing half a fucking LA here. <laughs> private Lake. Um, they sit in the mountains, they play chess, they talk Reagan and how Frank blames himself despite not being there. There was a lot of forced laughter with some of the worst acting you will ever actually see. Nikki gets her flirt with Frank, which has come out of fucking nowhere absolutely nowhere it's just in case you're taking your the ball that she could have something to do with any of this oh, i don't know what you're on about but he isn't interested the only thing that turns him on is his job he fucking <laughs> I, loves it and then i thought and put stuff because <laughs> <to, laughs> i'm giving frank his own development while nikki and rachel sit i, I do also need to say as well that if if uh, frank farmer doesn't have the award for the worst name in this movie <laughs> herb farmer Takes the crown. Is that his name? Herb. I've just got dad. (laughs) Fucking Herb Palmer. Oh my God. While Nikki and Rachel sing church music, Frank notices some footprints in the snow leading to the boat. Then he spots a set of smaller footprints, those of Fletcher, leading to the same place. Fletcher is in a boat and on the lake, and Frank fucking rugby tackles him off the boat in just mere seconds before it explodes. So with this bit as well, you see the adult footprints going to the dock. Mm. You don't see him come back. So where is the villain at this point? It's, he is quite clearly uh, a ghost. He <laughs> wasn't a ghost for a little bit. <laughs> and, and, so, and so his big thing is like, oh, I'm just going to gamble that they're going to be on the lake tomorrow because it's cold. What I like to think that, mm. that they literally just missed him. Like if you, if you pause it at the right time, you still see that bloke mm. <laughs> walking back through his own footprints. <laughs> then also he's old, isn't it? It's like, you know, he's, Obviously, it's a mechanism to get him off the boat before it blows up and everything mm. like. But they don't know it's going to blow up. They don't. It doesn't all. make sense as like it's surely, sure how they all overreact to it as well. Yeah, you would be like Fletcher. Just turn the boat around, come back in. You know, you can't go out on your own. Yeah. You know, or you get on another boat and chase him. You know, not risk him getting hyperthermia by rugby tackling him into the cold lake. He do it. He, you know what? He props for Costner because I <laughs> had to think that he went full force. He's like, I'll knock that fucker in the water. Yeah, well, at this point, he's he's in them jeans as well and he's working that ass. <sighs> Someone has cut the phone lines, the power lines, and both cars won't turn on. The shit <laughs> yeah. has hit the fan. So what is Frank's big plan? Everyone go gonna <laughs> <laughs> just a, I'll I'll stay awake. Um, the night everyone is tense and Frank finds Nikki quite drunk. Are you ready for your shy surprise music? Frank doesn't believe this guy's a fanatic but a trained killer. Nikki confirms this. <gasps> While drunk she admits to being jealous of her sister and hiring a hitman to kill her. She is guilty that Frank uh, sorry that Fletcher nearly died and she says that she has no idea who the hitman is, where she hired him from but that he has already been paid fully and the hitman doesn't know who paid him. And he also won't stop till the job is done. Turns out the letters came before Nikki hired the hitman. So pause there. What? There's two things going on here. There's a psycho fan. And a hitman. And a hitman. But Nikki has paid this man and she's paid him fully. Right? Mm. But the hitman doesn't know who hired him, Mm. knows that he's been paid fully, Mm. knows that they don't know who he is, so, so I don't know how much trying to kill him because you've already been paid. Just go home. Yeah, <laughs> just, I mean, just the, fuck off. That's the other thing with this movie. It's not like <laughs> trying to keep them alive. You know, if, if the premise of the movie was like he has to keep her alive until she gets in witness protection, or because she knows something, or you have to keep him alive for a set time, I get that. But if you were the hitman, you'd be like, "Well, I'll just wait a year until she comes back, and yeah. then I'll do it properly." Because the, the bomb didn't work in the uh, in the changing room, in the in the um, yeah in the dressing room. The, the, and the one it. I put on the boat randomly, hoping that she will jump in it, Which because because Rachel looks like the kind of person who's going to go on a boat tomorrow. Yeah, it means she fucking loves boats. <laughs> okay, honestly, all through this movie, she talks about. Actually, most weirdly, it. the first time you meet Fletcher, he talks about how much he loves boats. <laughs> so actually, he would like why would Rachel go on a boat? Yeah, that's a good point actually. Suddenly, the hitman is in the house, and Nikki is dead. <laughs> So Nikki got out before the rest of us. Frank can't hit the assassin because it's not convenient right now. Loses in the forest. Don't worry. Mm. When he needs to, he gets him later. <laughs> um, it's time for the Oscar ceremony and Rachel is upbeat. For someone who's recently lost her sister, <laughs> she she couldn't give a flying toss that her sister is dead. It doesn't matter she's there. The Oscars are a nightmare for Frank, who has to deal with the different levels of security and other bodyguards. And fuck me, it's Richard Schiff. <laughs> <Mark> <laughs> there that is a shoe Yeah, it's a Richard Schiff sign. And Robert Wall. And Robert Wall. Frank checks out the backstage area, and there is Paulman working security for Oscar host Robert Hall. He also has to give up his radio mic as it is interfering with the Oscar audio. Uh, Thingy me, Bob. Frank is convinced that this is the time the assassin will make his move because of the force. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. He, uh, so, his logic was <coughs> he's like, Oh, he wants to do it tonight. tonight's that's the night in the yeah, audience because, because, because you know, all the movie stars are here. This is going mm. to be the biggest thing. So, I don't want some way you try to blow out a boat in the middle of fucking yeah. nowhere, yeah, <laughs> just, just, in the most isolated part of the world. Now, oh, I've changed my shoe no, now. motives completely. No, different. no, we've changed it now. Um. It'd be much easier in this highly guarded <laughs> ceremony which has like shotgun, like, because you literally see a load of like police yeah. when they pull up with like shotguns and stuff. It's like, ah oh, yeah, this is, this is much easier to get her here Anyway, this scares Rachel who's on her way to the stage to present an award. She bolts off the screen. Frank's to blame now. Richard Schiff's having a go at him and if Richard Schiff is having a go at you in a movie, you know you've done fucked up. Mm. Um, He's at his lowest. He's probably been wrong about this entire thing. He's probably never, He was just probably a bit wanky. That's all it was. There was never any bombs. Your dad's gone mental. He's peed off. He ain't come around. Frank, pack it in. It's time to go work at Burger King. But then Frank asks Wool if he has seen Portman, because he needs a hand. But Wool doesn't know who that is. But that means... Dun-dun-dun. Surely not. Next time we see Portman, he's disguised as a cameraman. And shy surprise, Rachel wins Best Actress. <gasps> not for this film. <laughs> As she makes it onto the stage, Frank must throw himself in front of Rachel to absorb the bullets, which he does. Slow motion now. He dives in the way and gets shot, takes two bullets. But for some reason, this stuns Portman. Who instead of taking another shot, which will quite clearly kill Rachel because the bodyguard's on the floor, he stands there while Frank shoots him. Mm. Frank's dead. Movie's over. <laughs> but it's not, though, is it? Because it turns out, because he loves her, he can't guard her anymore which to me makes, means they could be together, but it'll never work because they're too different. She's celebrity and he's a serial killer in disguise. So he says goodbye to her at the airport where it's lucky he's been shot twice. He's got his arm in a sling. It's all you need. It's all you need. And they say goodbye. Mm. She gets on a plane, but fuck the FFA regulations. I'm going to depressurize this plane and give him one last smooch and her love will go on. But not my interest (laughs) in (laughs) this. I mean, yeah. Would it be better if he died at the end? Yes. Every Kevin Costner film would be best if they died at the end. Yeah, or or, or just they both died. Yeah. Romeo and Juliet at the end. Mm. And, and Portman gets away with it because it would be great. Uh, just also, just for anyone who's into film facts, the guy who played Fletcher, Devon Nixon... He went on to be in something, but I can't remember what it is. No, he was in the oh. year before. Terminator 2, he played Danny Dyson. that's ah, where I read it, yes. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, Bodyguard, it's, it's, um, my advice to anyone who wants to watch The Bodyguard this weekend is watch Man on Fire. Oh, yes. The much better version of a yes. Bodyguard movie uh, that actually makes sense for characters and people that you actually care about. But, you know, are we being too harsh? My problem with The Bodyguard is that you actually hit the nail on the head. It's sold to you as something else. And what it is, is an in-depth look at characters which don't actually take an in-depth look at all. Mm. They just go like... Frank, The the problem is, Frank as a character is about as exciting as watching paint dry. He's the equivalent of doing that. I don't like Frank, so why the fuck would I care about his story? That's that's, that's difficult to do, don't get me wrong. There's many films where you don't engage with the character, the the titular character. But Whitney Houston, her character, Rachel, far more interesting. Because of how it's edited, uh, supposedly she's really good. I think Winnie Houston does actually very good job. I know she was nominated for a Razzie for worst actress and he was for worst actor, but I don't think they're bad. I just don't care about the character of Frank. Mm. I think he makes some weird choices. Um, I, and ultimately I just, if, if you know, if they died, I just wouldn't care. I think there's, a, there's an opportunity now in modern day to, um, to revitalize and rejuvenate characters, actors, and beloved films and franchises by bringing them back with time. So 30 hmm. years on, you know, we are now the 30th anniversary of the bodyguard. I imagine the DVD will be out this year and That's a shot, 4k hardback uh, edition, but talking, we talked at the top of the episode that true detective season four is coming out with Jodie Foster in it. And would it be great if, because some of these studios now like Disney, Warner Bros own so much intellectual property, you hmm. could create a season, um, we're like one of the episodes is Frank Farmer thirty years on, and it maybe doesn't even need to be in bodyguarding, but Costner gets to get walk back in them shoes, revisit that character in a ninety minute episode. And then next week, Jodie Foster comes back as Clarice Starling. Nothing to do with Hannibal Lecter. I mean, like just like like the what ifs, just like but just like ninety minute anthropology. Not, this is yeah, the This is what they're up to next. It's another yeah, one. Not, yeah, not maybe not what if in the term in the sense of that it's like alternate realities, and the question oh, is what uh, if? So like these are continuations. Yeah, you know, you could have um, Danny Glover, you know, fully retired from his lethal weapon days as Murdoch, you know, um, and the storyline being something completely nothing to do with. I, so, it, so it gives an actor an opportunity to, to revisit, revisit a role but not do it in the genre or the star that they've done. You know, so like I said, Kevin Costner could be um, you know do the, the, the storyline around that could be he moves into a, a bad neighbourhood, you know, or something like that. It has nothing to do with him being a bodyguard anymore, but it just gives you that chance to see another puts, layer of that character. Kind of like what I always think Grant Torino is, because it takes <clears throat> this—he puts, the, he puts the character like Clint Eastwood played that character all his yeah. life, and then puts him in a situation you know where he's never been. Grant Torino is probably the example, yeah. And and, you no, know, and, really, and I love that idea because then you could deal with like you could, you could, you've got so many different things. I mean, I know he's retired from acting, but imagine like you know mm. everyone's favorite party crasher, John McClane dealing with the injuries of years of all that stuff, like his knees are fucked. Yeah. You know, and just like, I know just that sort of, that's amazing. Yeah. Hey, yes. It would be good, wouldn't it? I'd watch I'd it would be a good TV show. Like, and uh, you know, I, I think, um, you know, the Obi-Wan got me thinking about that as well in the sense that, you know, you McGregor is getting to go back to a character that people did like in films that they didn't like. Mm. And actually, he was do, always the shine part, yeah. yeah. And, and actually now get to do something what they, you know, he can be proud of. And he, he said in interviews, he's like, oh, you know, it's, it's that audiences have now found the movies and the, kid, the kids that loved it, the young kids loved it, that are now the prime subscribers to things like Disney Plus are getting to see it. And he said it's taken like 20 years for them to hear them voices. I, I, I do think you're a bit... You know, uh, led a with that, you and I think and most people still think they are bad movies. They are, it, definitely but, but bad you were a good thing. You you've extracted, and there were good characters in that. You know, there's. I don't think Jar Jar Binks is going to be in this TV show. Yeah, James. but maybe if they gave him like the dark treatment, you know, like Batman him up <laughs> so to, to turn him into a vigilante, mate, you'd love it. But yeah, I, I don't know why they don't do that. Like one of these companies, like, it was so cool on it. Where every week you're like, you, oh, you, you know, it's like Sigourney Weaver is going to come back as Ripley. In a, in a, you've you've convinced me. I really want to say that. If you could pick one, which I've already picked out whilst you're speaking my hmm. favorite. I would love. Of Dutch. Yeah. From Predator. And it and what I would do is is I wouldn't have the Predator in it. Mm-hmm. I would have him like trying to convince people they exist. And so other people trying to remember other like flat earthers and, yeah. and he hates them. He's like, no, that's not what I'm saying. He's trying to convince the world of a truth. And they're yeah. all like Loser. I, I I I thought that would be I thought that would be brilliant. That that idea of Dutch years later, as a as a, a with a government i'll basically saying no, he's made it all up. Yeah. And, and something like a predator comes back. And he's trying to convince the world. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, and um, you know, and, and, but it's shot in a style like the Invisible Man movie, the one with uh, Elizabeth Moss in it, yes. where as an audience member, you're supposed to be like, is that a predator? Because it's obviously got the camouflage or is this all in Dutch's head? Some, we talked about this before with Rambo. Like why there isn't a Rambo movie where it's Sylvester Stallone starting Which a- Which should have been the last group. Rambo. It yeah. should have been literally the last Rambo. If film. he did a veteran support <clears throat> group and he was trying to save a young person from going through the- decades of of, um, of pain and, and everything that he's gone through. I think that's genuinely my biggest disappointment in cinema. Because mm. I, to me, the the Rambo... Well, I don't want to get into it. Sorry, I've talked right. loads. But that, that to me, that should have been the last film. He should have been the colonel. There should have been someone who's been in Iraq mm. and has gone basically, got PTSD. He's doing what Rambo did in the first one. And Rambo then has to go save him. Yeah. Because he's kind of saving himself. Is it, I love that films can mirror each other, but people will never... I think you're right. Disney have the money now that they can take a risk. Mm. And if you think about it, everything they've done is a risk, like wife was a risk, bringing Obi-Wan is a risk. You know, even the, 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 the sequel trilogy based on the back of the last three, Rogue mm. One, they're all kind of risk, but now because they've worked, they're not. I the brilliant idea. I love that. Mm. I'd watch that like a series. You could just call it, with action, I don't know what you'd call it, but you go back to all his characters and just give them 90 minutes to tell a story that's completely different. Yes, mm. fucking hell, yes, mate. If I had money, I'd give it to you. Go right up. Do it. Maybe we could make our millions that way, James. Yeah. If not, we could just keep doing podcasts. Yep. Yeah. But, but, but luckily, we're done with the card. I don't think it's bad enough to put in the pit. But, oh, no. But there are moments where I genuinely thought about throwing myself in the pit. <laughs> But it's definitely not going in the vault. No, it's not one of the greatest movies of all time. And I'm calling it now, as you're going to see this, and as we come into this time where we're doing more one-on-one films, this, I don't think it's Kevin Costner's best. So, oh, no put way. it put it down. No, no. I mean, Prince of Thieves has got to be the best one, Yeah, right? probably. But, I, yeah. I know. I I'm looking forward to doing Waterworld because I think I'll have a lot of fun. I didn't think I was gonna have any fun with this <laughs> film. Well, Waterworld is, is is the bottom of of Costas' pile for me, so I'm looking forward to going back to that. And it's not gonna be anytime soon, but we'll do Waterworld at some point and continue the uh, the love fest of Kevin Costner. He's one of the guys. When I see his name on a title sc- uh, screen, even if it's a bad movie, I am like, he is safe hands. I am always interested in what he's doing next. I'm, I, yeah, mm. he he is Hollywood royalty kind of in a way He's, yeah. he survived the test of time and a lot of people haven't Kevin Costner's still out there taking risks that's our show for this week that is The Bodyguard if you're going to watch it this week let us know how you get on uh, do write to us I don't know why <laughs> yeah, slow days bank holiday this week there you it? go um, but yeah The Bodyguard night night too if I don't see you later good afternoon good evening good night goodbye